What is phase two? New day is done. The day of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Gathered from around the galaxy comes the world's greatest comic book fans all in one terrific podcast. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. With your host with the most, the man who puts on Terrific Con, the world's greatest Comic Con every August at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, Mitch Halleck. Joining Mitch each week will be an assembly of his terrific super friends. Join them as they talk about comic books, movies, and more. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. Power Cosmic Podcast. Right now. Hey, everybody. Here's a special Power Cosmic Podcast as I'm waiting for, is it Peter Samedi? Is that my saying it yes. right? Samedi, who's Here's been in the show. He's the uh, publisher of Alterna Comics, and he's going to be on Pino Comics tonight with Sir John, and I'm filling in as co-host. But while we wait for that glorious event, John and I are just shooting the breeze. I'm looking at stacks of comics that are on my table here, and John's telling me how it was to be a comic book store owner. What, what year were you owning a store? Uh, I started in 94. Really? It was 90, yeah, 94. 94 to 97. Now, 94, it was pretty much the boom, the bubble had burst at that point, right? Uh, or it was just about it to? It was just, just before, just before the bubble burst. And what did you and say once was, you got those damaged goods and then you were like, oh crap, what did I get into? Uh, I... I'm like the champion of lost causes, so... Well, no, did you know yeah. it was happening at the time? I mean, could you see it, or was it like you're a hurricane, like it's coming, and then you're in the thick of it, and you can't get out? Well, the big difference for me was the first store I had was out in the Midwest, and yeah. then I moved back here, and I opened the second store after... Midwest, where, Chicago, Ohio? Yeah, yeah, Chicago. Okay. A big store? I mean, there's Graham Cracker Comics out there, and bunch of them uh it wasn't big but yeah we were we were um we were in business at the time of grand cracker yeah. and gary colabano's show uh, uh stores and now ordway always talks about going uh, to the big conventions he talks about the big convention there they used to have down at the uh hotel near the airport road if you yeah, went towards rosemont. the airport yeah rosemont yeah did you did you go to that show yeah it's basically how i started uh, getting into retailing. Well, that's did how you, I bought a store. Did you live in Chicago? You're from the area? No, I'm from this hideous state here. Oh, you're from Connecticut. The, uh, the the nutmeg state. So you just happened to be out there for shit and giggles, or you had a job, or you went out there? How'd you get there? Uh, no, I, I was I was going to the, the to the convention out there. Yes. Um, at the time, the Chicago Con was the second largest convention in the United States uh, up against San Diego. Right. San Diego for me was a little too far and, and the timing of it wasn't great for taking vacation time. So, yeah. So I, I chose to go to Chicago and when I was there, I ended up meeting some people who shall remain nameless, uh, who I, I eventually got into business with and it failed miserably. So I picked up my 
ownership of everything and moved it back out here. <laughs> yeah, but why did you like comics? Were you because you were the comic fanboy, and the the thought of owning your own store was like a dream come true, or? No, I, the, the 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 store was just basically like a means to an end. I, I my intent was to get into publishing, but oh, that, okay. That so this was a back door. You were like, if I own a comic store, I'll be able to meet people in the industry, and this will help me get a, a leg. Yeah, 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 kind of. I mean, you 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 look at it as uh, it's an income while you do everything else. Right, right. It's and a, at the time. Bridged. And it sounds fun and attractive. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned from a guy here in Connecticut, and it was it was a huge mistake. I should have stayed here, and I probably would have still had a store, even yeah. after all the upheaval. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, um, but, but, no, okay, so day one, you unlock the door, you open it up, you go inside. What happens? When, when does it start, when does the shit start to hit the fan and you go, uh-oh, I'm in, I'm in deep? Or I made a big boo boo. Uh, uh, when when your partner is going over to the local packy and drinking all your profits dry, so was that day one? <laughs> uh, no, that was probably day three. But oh, okay. So that's your first incline. But you stay with it for two years, though, right? Yeah, because I I had no other option. I mean, it's like I had all this stuff. I had all this uh, equipment, furniture, and comics. I figured I'd just run my own place and. All right, so the the, the, the guy you're with is a jerk, but how's the store itself? Are people buying books? I mean... Oh. Well, let's put it this way. We were in a very affluent area. Yeah. And your your junior high kids would come in with yeah. $100 bills, so... That sounds good. Oh, you know, it, it, it could have been a very lucrative thing. Okay. And was it just comics, or was there gaming there, too? We had gaming. We were at the uh, very beginning of the magic uh, rush. All right. So we were we were turning lots and lots of money uh, over into buying magic cards. You know, because you couldn't get them. Oh, really? Couldn't get them from the distributors. So you you know every store in the area was rushing out to the to the Kmart's and the Targets just to clear out the shelves of magic cards. Why Wizard wasn't selling to the Wizard wasn't selling to the direct market? Uh they were, but they they preferred the larger market over the mom and pop shops. And oh, okay. while they always they would always say, Yeah, we, we're gonna make sure you get it first. Yeah. It wasn't always the case. And in those early days uh, it, it was hard. It was hard to, to compete because you, you had to order a certain tier. I, I, I gotta, re- I gotta remember all this stuff too because it's it's. And this a long was time this ago. was um, Wizards of the Coast that was running it, right? Yeah, back then it was it was just Peter Adkinson and Richard Garfield and his right. team, right? Uh, no, before Oregon. they got blown out by TSR. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. I, no, you're jumping around. I thought they were always based out of Oregon. I know TSR. They were a Midwest company that did all the role playing books, like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. right? It's the other way. It's the other way around. Uh, Wizards bought TSR, so. Oh, okay. But yeah, and then Hasbro bought. Yeah, Hasbro ended up buying Wizard. Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so you're sure you got the com- but are you doing the comic stuff? Are you getting like you know signings are you getting artists i mean chicago's a pretty hip place i mean yep. first comics was out there but i think they were out of business by then so uh just just think of it this way right. um 
one of your guests, your regular guest, Buzz. Yeah. So yeah, I know Buzz. Buzz was one of Buzz was one of our guests at uh, at one of our signings. Is we we would support certain books. Right. And and uh, what was he doing, Vampirella or something? We. Uh, yeah, I think he was, but I th- there was something else he was on too. We did a big Vampirella signing because yeah. Harris Comics was still in business. And, oh, I remember Harris uh, Comics. We were trying yeah. to do a lot with them. But there was something. Uh, what? There was a Harlan Ellis, oh, Har- Harlan Ellison's Dream Corridor. We supported the hell out of that book. So we brought in all the artists and writers for, for that. It was like a one-shot yeah. anthology book. It was some kind of Twilight Zone-y sort of book. Yeah. So we had like 10 or 15 of these guys in the store, in this tiny little store. <laughs> typical comic book. Yeah, stuff. I was gonna say typical little tiny place. Too many people. It smells like a bad Foot Locker, and you know. Oh no, we had a we had a clean store. Oh okay. Very clean. Uh, we were we were lucky enough to buy into uh, a, a very nice location on a very busy strip. Yeah. All this sounds like, uh, you know, rainbows and sunshine, John. I don't see the bad stuff besides the drinking partner, but, uh, you know. Oh, it wasn't just drinking. Okay, it was other other intoxicants that was uh, yeah. got into play. But you had Malibu yeah. Comics, you had Image Comics, you had so many books out there at the time that was, you know, trying to get the customer's money. It shouldn't have been hard for product. Uh, well, product was fine. I'm, trying to remember I'm like a we psychiatrist here, John. I'm trying to get to. Was it the Bravura books? Was it this? Was it Edge no, by uh, Stephen Grant and Joe Kane? You know, that was that was by my second store. So oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going through my that books here. Here's my Malibu Deep Space Nine comic right oh, there. Oh, those are so bad. <laughs> On the edge of the final frontier. What year is this? This is 1994, uh, July 94. Uh, I'm looking through some old comics right now. This was oh, right around your time. Bad stuff. I'm trying to remember, like, what what our top. This was '94 too. Were, this this Bravura book, 1994. It says Streets of Rage um, three for the <laughs> Sega Genesis is on the back. That's how old we are. Uh, Look at that. I had Sega Genesis Streets of Rage Part two. That's another story. Yeah, uh, it is. Wow, we got Peter David <laughs> and Gene Colan were on Dreadstar. Is it Gene Colan or Ernie? I don't know. You had Starlin was doing Brood, Wolfman and McManus, a monster called a man called X. Dan Brereton was doing the Nocturnals. I know Dan; he's at my show. Walt Simonson was doing Star Slammers. These are quality products. How did this not? Do you know what happened? Uh, At that point, yeah. Too many, too many companies pushing out too many series, too many universes, too many shared universes, too much, too much material for a very small market. Your your specular uh, bubble had burst. Yes. So, so all those crazy people out there buying comics, thinking they're going to be worth money tomorrow, uh, are finding out that those comics are not worth money. I mean, tomorrow. they can't send their kid to college with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of that. Uh, the cost of the comics were going up. Um, yeah, I mean these. How much were these books? They're uh, two dollars at the time. Two fifty. Yeah, dollar, it's starting to get yeah. two. Yeah, because Wemmer Spawn's big deal was still a dollar fifty. I think that was the big yep. price burst. He was like touting that he was still a dollar something. You know. Yeah, he was he was cheaper than any of the other image books for a long period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right, so then yeah, it goes it, down. There's soft. too much product, it, it, not enough customers. Too much, not enough demand for the product. Supply and demand. Yeah, your 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 customer base was shrinking, then the stores started shrinking, yeah. and that caused more of these these publishers to fail too. So, you know, it just it was bad. And then then the distributor wars of '96 uh, were great. <laughs> oh, that's when Marvel. Well, was Marvel already doing Heroes World? Yeah, they were doing that by then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the end. They got they got bought out the in December of ninety four. Yeah. Was it? Shit, wait a second. I'm trying. No, wait a minute. I'm going. I'm trying. Where are my notes? I had <laughs> Marvel stock, and because I, I went to go apply for a job at Marvel, because I just saw that book I had in my hand. And that was in the '94, and then Marvel had a big layoff that December. So the well, they, Marvel was doing bad at that point. They they were doing very bad. Um, I don't have the details on Marvel, but I, I remember when uh, they they were at the point of being up up for sale. Yeah, they were. Yep. And it was it was a big thing about what was going to happen with Marvel and where they were going to go. There was a rumor that Warner Brothers was going to buy them, but they didn't want to pay the money and there was all the all the debt that marvel had to yeah yeah it was it was scaring a lot of people but that that bastard uh ron perlman ron not perlman that's right no ron <laughs> perlman he was the guy i think it was from revlon or something he was from a makeup yes. company and he i rem, i met him at the stockholder Did meeting you? and i went up to him because i talked to stan lee and i was going to do my interview at dc comics and stan goes why aren't you coming to work here i said i did and I got uh, an offer, but it didn't pay enough. He goes, well, that's not my department. Go talk to that guy. And I go, who's that? He goes, that's the CEO, Ron Perlman. <laughs> so I went right. I didn't know. I didn't have anything to lose. So I go right up to him. Casada's there. I think Casada was there. And uh, I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He goes, what is it? I go, why don't you pay your employees as much as DC pays their employees? He goes, well, we're very competitive. And I don't know what you're talking about. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And uh, Stan Lee was just shaking his head. He couldn't believe I asked the guy that. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I got nothing to lose. So, <laughs> nice job. But, I, yeah, he destroyed that company. Wasn't his reputation oh, as buying big companies and breaking them up and selling them off? That was his big shtick. He was like a, yeah, a, yeah, a, a raider or something, like a Wall Street guy. That just That's what he uh, did to make his money. Big investment guy, yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, I mean, at that point... They started buying up companies. I mean, Marvel bought yeah. Fleer. Fleer like and uh, the Maybe. sticker company, yeah. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, uh, uh, it was a, was it an English company, like a British, UK company? There was some kind of sticker yeah. thing they bought up. I just remember, like, why are you buying they're, stickers? And they bought Malibu, they bought Malibu companies. Comics. They bought them up to get the uh, color uh, technology, how they were coloring their books. I think that's why they bought up that company. Oh, uh, that has been that has been uh, disproved. That's not why they the bought them. Marvel was using Malibu's printing. Yes, but Marvel Marvel bought Malibu because Malibu was on the sale block to DC, and DC was just about oh, to buy them. Oh, I didn't know that. Marvel Marvel came in and scooped them up before DC could and paid more money for them. Uh, well, what do so, you know? That's yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, every everyone thinks it was for the printing, but yeah, it, that's what it I was had told. nothing to do with that, apparently. Yeah, no, no. no it, Tom Tom Mason, that was at Malibu at the time, has has uh, just proved that spent rumor. spent a lot of time trying to tell that story. So. Oh. 
So yeah, I remember that though. No, but, I remember uh, that too. All right, so going back to the store, when when is the uh, the writing on the wall, and you know I got to get the hell out of this store? When is the, uh, the the when is the Titanic taking on water? At this point, uh, it was that was ninety seven. That's when I finally just shut the door and walked away. That was it. You were the guy. You were the, were the customers devastated, where there's no customers left. I mean. Uh, uh, no, there, there were a few. There were a few that were, were like, what are you going to do? Or, you know, where do I get my stuff? I'm like, eh, you go wherever you want, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, then, do. but then you come back to Connecticut, the land of the... Oh, I, uh, no, no, I was I was, I was, was back here. You oh, no, I, th- I was talking the Chicago store. How did that thing end? Uh, oh, no. No, that ended uh, with a... No, I don't want to give away too much stuff here. Um, was there fisticuffs involved? Huh? Was there fisticuffs? Were blows thrown? Uh, no. Okay. Well, Almost. Then oh, well, then there you very, go. It's very close. I, I, I want to get to the seedy underbelly, okay? I want to... I wanna, if there was a Howard Shaken story, how would it end? Would it be like everything blew up or was there a murder involved? I took all of, all of my stuff yes. that I could, yes. packed it into a truck, yes. and moved it to, to, back to Connecticut. There you go. So you left them high and dry. Um, yeah, because it was my money. Good, good. <laughs> and did he see it, it coming, or did, did he did he try to uh, keep it afloat, or he was too far gone to even bother? Um, I I understand he tried to keep it going, but I didn't leave him with much. So okay. Well then, the hell with that guy. So you come yeah, back to no, Connecticut, I, and where do you reopen? Where 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 was that? Middletown. Just 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 so you know, Mitch, I left scorched earth when I left there. So. Oh, all right. <laughs> there was no survivors. You were in, you burned so many bridges. It was like you know, it was like oh yeah, I, it was nuked. I think I was on a hit list for a while. So. Oh. All right. So where do you set up shop back in Connecticut? Maybe some people even know the store because I, I I remember yeah. hitting them. So I, yeah, I opened up on Main Street in Middletown. Oh, okay. Uh, Called call the place Nights Past. Nice. Um, it, it it was a dingy little hole in the wall, but <laughs> now where I used to go to McAndrew Wong's. I know where Pelton Drugs was. Where were you on the up near the? What's that diner on that corner? Were you up there, or you were down towards the Bob store? Uh, almost directly across from where Bob's used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were on the it's, other side it, of the street. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a restaurant now. Yes, so. it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We we walk by it when we're at the radio station, right near La Boca. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right across from La Boca. There. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're there at the time. I'm going to say up in Middletown. The only other comic book store that I knew about in that part of Connecticut, there was one in East Hartford. Maybe. The, there the, was the bookie. The bookie, yeah, the bookie was up there. Was that Hal's <laughs> store? Yeah, Hal Kinney. Hal Kinney, yeah, yeah who organized Kineticon. When it was yeah. a comic book convention in Hartford, not the one that's a gaming show. So you're he's, up he's there. Not, he's dead. He's still alive, isn't no, he? No, he passed away, I heard. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm he, pretty he, sure. He was a real nice guy, though. He, I mean, yeah. I, I liked Hal. Yeah, Hal was good people. And then there's, uh, what else was up that way? There was, was there those well, Bob's cards, comics and cards? Was It was a chain. Were they up there? Like Big Bob's card shop? You know what I'm talking about? Not that I know. Oh, all right, because there was a shop. There was a couple of them down here in the southwest part called Bob's Baseball Cards or something, and he would sell comics as well. Uh, there was uh, there's one in 
where the hell is he? Weathersfield, Rocky Hill. Oh, uh, heavy heroes hitters? hitters, heroes and hitters. Yeah, yeah he's still there. He's yeah, still he's there. still around. Yep. I, I think he was. Yeah, he was there when I when I opened up. Still. Okay. Um, and so yeah. the bookie and oh, was buried under there, Brian Store up in Weathers. Is it Weathers? Yeah, Manchester. Yeah, he was still around. Yeah, up in Manchester. Um, there's oh, God. Who who's? Well, down where I. Think, I who? Sam's Sam's in uh, Meriden. I think he was still kicking at the time. Okay. Um, I don't know where he was. I'm sure. Tra- he moved around a little bit. I used to go in the mid-90s. I'm trying to think what comic shops I'd go to. I was from the New Haven area. We had the Paperback Trader. Then it became Flash Comics in the 80s. Then it became Whirligig Comics. That was right near Yale. Then it became Dream Factory for a while. Oh, the Dream Moon the dream Moondog. Factories. Yeah, remember those? They were all in the malls down here. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the that, story. That, that was part of that uh, chain that was Moon out Dogs, in, uh, Chicago. Chicago. Moon yeah. Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Moon Dogs. Yeah, we had to deal with those yeah. people. <laughs> and then they went out. They went yep. bankrupt. That's when I told you I couldn't get my books anymore. I'd be going to the store. And the guy wouldn't have any comics. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, oh, there's printer problems. There's no comics right now. And I yeah. found out there were comics. It's just that he wasn't getting any from the distributor. And yeah. I started going to some places in Bridgeport called like TNT Comics. And then there was Capricorn Comics. And I was just trying to get my fix because there was no shops. There was Heroes in Norwalk. And uh, it was really ugly, actually, at the time. Now that I think about yep. it. Yeah, oh, there was uh, com- a lot of comic shops World, folded. You know? Heroes World as a distributor was really difficult to deal with. Yeah, and they would shut you off after non-payment. Yep, within a month or two. Yeah, but they wouldn't tell you that you were behind. So how did you do your accounting then? You just had uh, to take a guess. I don't even remember. I, all I remember, I got a call at one point from some guy screaming at me over the phone i'm like what are you yelling at me about yeah he goes, you're behind on your account I'm like what are you talking about yeah none of my checks have come back to me right <laughs> so were you or you didn't know uh at that point i had at that at that point when he was screaming at me yeah to my knowledge i was paid up i think i found out that i did bounce one check right to, Her- to Heroes World, and that's where it originated from. And then they cut me off. Well, that's weird. I mean, if you didn't know, you know. What was weird, what was weird to me is that he's yelling at me, and yes. the bank had not informed me that I had, had a done check. any... Yeah. yeah. You know. That is weird. It was, it was really ugly. I, at that point, for that store, I knew I knew it was going to be bad. I, I decided to go without Marvel for a little while. Oh, did I, you? Yeah, because... Honestly, at that point... The oh, that's when they were doing books the crappy I, books, yeah. Oh, they were awful. The only one I sold was Wolverine. Wolverine oh, yeah. was the top, was the, the top Marvel seller. I could have dropped three quarters of the Marvel publishing line at that point and not even blinked an eye. You mean it wasn't this book here, Spider-Man and Kingpin to the death? Look at that. John Romita and Stan Lee, no less. John Romita Sr. I sold, I sold more... Do you remember this is 1997. 1997. Yeah. What? Right, right after. Do you remember John of the Homicidal Maniac? Uh, is that like Martial Law or something? It was a uh, 
slave labor book. It was done slave by a guy labor. named Yonan Vasquez, the guy that created in, in, Invader Zim, the cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Invader Zim. No, I don't know. He had yeah. a comic, too. Oh, Johnny was such a huge hit. Really? Oh, yeah. And what happened there? Oh, I sold more of those than than three quarters of the Marvel books. Didn't even know about <laughs> it. Oh, it was great. Were you doing the magic? Were you doing the magic stuff there too? Up in uh, Middletown, nah, there's no room nah, for it. Not really. I no, I had room. I just hated it. I hated oh, you magic. did. You're such a gamer, though. Uh, the game and the way it was handled, I hated it. I hated the whole thing about the system and the and the the way that they wizards would lord over you. Yeah, you, that, that you didn't sell enough product. Really? Yeah, I I really didn't like it. So I pushed. I pushed the Star Trek card game. I pushed. Oh yeah, the, there was a Star oh, Wars oh. game too. I remember that by. Uh, yep. Oh, it's I can't Cypher. think. Of it. Cypher, yes, yes, yes. Was it Star Wars Galaxy? Mm, I remember probably. the packaging though, because I, I remember my local comic shop here called Flamingo Street. The guy tried to get me to play it. He's like, "Oh, don't you like Star Wars?" I said, "Yeah, you should really play this game." I'm like, "No, nah, we're good. We're good." It, it, the rules weren't that great. No, it was very complicated, actually. I was like, what do I the, have to do now? The cards were nice. And the yeah, cards the cards were nice, well, and the stories were good. But the, that's about it, yeah. The toy industry started making a comeback then, too, because I remember a lot of guys were getting into toy collecting. Yeah, I, I pulled in I pulled in a lot of, uh, like, when the figures came back out. Yeah, 95, the power of the force came back, Star Wars. Yeah, I sold a ton of that Did stuff. Did you? Yeah, they were on yeah. those orange cards, yeah. They look yeah. more like He-Man, Master of the Universe mold. That's I what... sold. I sold a lot of things. You know, I, I was. I was. I'll never forget this for what? that second store. I'd be. I'd be online with. Um, with Onla- DC online. Uh, oh yeah, America online, man. <laughs> uh, beep. Shh, you were that guy. How many bode? How many bode modems was it? Fifty-six point five. You were flying, man. Fifty-six point six. Yeah, forty-six. <laughs> I remember getting a modem for uh, Christmas, and I was so mad at my wife. I'm like, what do you think I am, some complete nerd dork? Why do I want a modem? God, you have no respect for me. That's something only nerds do. And now, you know, it is what it is. But it was the only geeks were doing the internet back then. Yeah, well, I, I Chat it was rooms. an easy way for me to, to stay in contact with uh, the editors at DC. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really care. Marvel, not so much, but, but definitely DC, because I used to yell at Stuart Moore all the time. Oh, yeah, I know Stuart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, you know, remember that was the, when they had uh, Web Crawler? That was a web browser. Remember that? Web Crawler? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how old I am. I remember that slow as molasses thing. It was and, all slow. But then when you fi- when did you finally say, that's it, I'm done, I'm just going to be a fan and read and never get back into the store? Have you ever been tempted well, to come back? I, I, sh- I did. I was tempted for a while. But oh, yeah? But as, what happened? The years, well, the years progress, and the industry didn't really get better. Yeah. You know, when I closed up, I was told it was, what, 3,000 stores across the country sh- shut down? Yeah, it was big. It was like the end yeah. of the world. Yeah, I because I, I went up, I went up to see Brian at uh, Buried Under. Yeah, uh, yeah. At, one, at one point, and tell him, you know, I'm closed, so I'm sure you're, you're going to get a bunch of my customers. And he's like, Oh yeah, God! And then he was like, Damn, telling me all these other stores that had shut down at the same time. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I felt better after that because it wasn't just me. The, no, the, there was the a ton of stores. Just, side. Yeah, 
Oh, it it took a beating. It took it took a beating, and a lot of it had to do with the distribution system and and how you got your comics. And then because of the way distributors shrank down to just Diamond, yeah, you you lost your profit margin. I was getting what thirty percent off of books. Really? Oh yeah. There's no profit in that. No, 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 no. <laughs> because because you're paying for shipping at that point too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I give. All, uh, all the the credit. No, I, I, I these guys have run shops now. Yes, you ha- you have to give them a lot of credit because of, of what they're doing. It's not easy. This state alone, Connecticut, does yeah. not make it easy on the small businessman. Um, no, I could tell you that for a guy who runs a small business. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah. Between the taxes and all the other things I have to pay, it's not fun. The stupid taxes. Yeah, I I, I don't know what it is for you guys now because I I remember running uh, a small game convention. Yeah, and we were a, a for profit game convention, and we would have to pay taxes on every ticket sold. So yeah. I don't know if you have no. To there's do state. That. There's admission tax. Yeah, there's such things. Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't know if any of that had changed over the last twenty years. So no. But how big a shows yeah, were, you, were you doing then? Where were you doing them? Cromwell or something? At the, at the uh, Radisson? We started in Meriden, and then we moved it to New Britain, and then it was in Plainville for the last few years. Okay. So it bounced around a little bit. But, yeah, it was it was a tiny little game convention. And it was it was a lot of fun to run, but, man, difficult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how big a show yeah. was it? Oh God! It was tiny. Oh, all right. three, three, four hundred people. Well, I think still was the max something. we ever had. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to grow it, but well, see, John, up. see, me, people listen to you on the Pine of Comics. They listen to you on the radio. They had no idea your secret origins. Isn't it nice to come on and and let it all out and tell people that you're more than just a voice on the radio? That you're one of the fans. That no, you you were a store owner, man. You were in the front lines. You were it, John. Oh, everybody thinks I hate everything, so... <laughs> well, there's that, too. They go, what a miserable... Come, I can't think of the name. Come, Rudge, and come... Well... Blah, 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 blah. I'm like that, too, though. Yeah, one of those. You're bitter, but they made you that way. You've seen the war. You've been yeah, on well, the front lines. You're anti-war now, man. I, I... I remember very well when Image... And the image creators left Marvel. Yes. And I remember refusing, refusing to as a image. fan yeah. to purchase any of their books. Because you felt betrayed. Because, well, no, I didn't feel betrayed. Oh. Their their attitude was miserable. Yeah. And the way that they handled things, yeah. I I thought personally was, was a little... Childish? Not heavy-handed. It was just high... It was very high-hat. Yeah. You know? You know, we're better than you. We don't get enough of this. We don't do that. And, and in in retrospect, I understand more of what they were doing. Right. Um, but on the other hand, I was not a fan of any of their work. I didn't follow Jim Lee on X Men. I didn't read X Men. Yeah. McFarlane on Spider Man was okay, but he left, and, and Eric Larson took over, and I didn't notice. So. <laughs> wow. Whoa. So it's, it's like. None of these guys leaving Marvel were going to kill me, right? And none of the books that they had started up, I had, I had no interest. Interesting, in any of them. yeah. So you weren't, so. you weren't devastated. Well, you know what, John? We're going to have to no, pick not up. Not at all. Not at all. Well, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this should be our next 
chapter in a secret or a power cosmic secret origins episode because you and I right now are about to talk to Peter Samedi on the pine. This is like a crossover. It's eight o'clock. He just sent me an email. He's not doing it now. (laughs) No. What happened now? Oh boy. Okay. Well, maybe we will continue because this was supposed to be a crossover episode where we were going to cross over to the Pina Comics right now because you and I were going to interview Alterna Press's publisher, Mr. Peter Semetti. But why aren't we talking to him? He apparently had a... He's got a creator issue. Uh-oh. I don't think I want to say anything more. All right, right, then now. that's it. We're experiencing technical <laughs> difficulties. Please stand by. All right, so then I guess you can continue on since uh, you and I are here and there's nothing else to do right now. All right, so... <laughs> All right, so the store's closed. Middletown's done. You told the Heroes Legacy, or buried under at the time because Brian was still alive, and you said, "That's it." Yeah, Brian, I'm done. Brian, I I like Brian. I I miss Brian. He yeah, was, he was a nice guy. He was guy. quite the character. That yeah. guy, you know, died way early. He was good people. Yeah, early yeah, early fifties, yeah, way too early. And uh, he was, a, if people don't know who we're talking about, he was the owner of a comic book store here in Manchester. It used to be called Buried Under Comics, but it continued on after his passing. It's now called Heroes Legacy. It's a very cool store. Yep. So you can go and check that out if you're in the area. But anyway, so now you've just become former comic shop owner. Now you're a civilian. You're back in the real world. Do you still read comics or did yep. you walk away for a while? Like, I got to get away from these things. Oh, yeah. There, there was a very brief period. Um, God, you wanted nothing to do with them. No, it wasn't even that. I, I just, I got to a point where they were, they were very expensive. Yeah. The, the, the comics themselves overall were not appealing to me. No, and they weren't. I was gonna, I, I was gonna get out completely, and the only thing that I hung on for. Yeah. Was was Hellboy? Hellboy kept me reading. Oh, comics. there you go. But this this was not after I shut my store down. Uh, when when I shut that store down, was it the uh, Seeds I, of I, Destruction storyline? I just had that in my hand as I was going through my stack of comics here. No, uh, it was it was much later. Than that, honestly, okay. But okay. I, I don't I don't exactly. It was somewhere in the somewhere in the two thousand early two thousand. Well, I don't. I just don't. I, I say this because after a lunatic who just sorted through 45 years of comic books, it's like being an archaeologist. I could start to see, like, things disappear. Like, I assumed I had full runs of things, and then I went through, like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. Why don't I have a year or two's worth of Fantastic Four or Captain? And I had to go up and look what happened. And you could see that was right after Heroes Reborn, and the, when the image guys came back, or what was it called? Heroes something. Re- oh, God, that awful. Oh, no, yes, it was Heroes yeah. Reborn for a year, and then it was Heroes Return. And they had all new creators and then a whole new style, and Marvel kind of changed their look, and they went towards that flashy, almost image type of storytelling. And I stopped buying the books, and I'm a lifelong guy since four years old, five years old, and I, I realize now I stopped buying. Huh? I know, but I yeah. stopped buying them. And then, the, and then you know, the, in real life in the 90s, I'm having a kid. Well, I, my wife did. But I'm like, you don't read comics now. You're 30-something years old, and you, you got a family. But then 2000 comes back, and I can't remember what the event was. But there must have been a big 
Marvel or DC event around 99 or 2000 that brings me back to comics. I can't put a finger on it because I start to see my comic book collection picking up again. And <laughs> I, I don't know what happened in the 2000s. I can't remember. Was it... Did Marvel reinvent themselves again or something? I don't know. I My Marvel... Armageddon, maybe? What? DC? I'm trying to think... What well, was they the did one? Civil War, which which I thought was garbage. Civil War, yeah, but that was later than 2000. Wasn't that like 2004 or five or so? Wasn't that later? Yeah, maybe. You know yeah, what it was? Yeah, the, it, was the, it was later than that. Yeah, no, the big 2001 uh, September 11th happens, and all the books started doing those charity benefits to help yep. you know, raise money yep, for yep. the firemen and the policemen. And I remember I could see myself buying books again, and I think that's kind of when I got back into comics. But at that point. Image was still there. Dark Horse was still there. Yeah. Yep. But a lot of companies were gone at that point. Yeah, Malibu. Malibu They're all gone. Shuttered. Pacific. Um, First comic. Topps Comics, their history at that point. Topps. Yeah, Topps was... They were the uh, X-Files, and they were like Jack Kirby's last books. Yeah. Yeah, there were were a lot of flash-in-the-pan companies like that. that Yeah, they didn't hang out. They hit hard and... Yeah. yeah, they didn't stick around. Maybe. Oh, I, I had. Do you remember um, Cosmic the, Comics? No, who was that? Co- Cosmic was was all these. Um, oh God, it, it was uh, not not John Carpenter, but but they did do uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs do, stuff. Uh, War of the Worlds? Corbin. Did they do Corbin, that? Corbin, sorry, Richard Corbin. Oh, not Corbin. No, not I know Corbin. the artist. No, not Richard Corbin. Oh, what the hell's his name? The, John Bolton, the movie maker, the, the the B B movie. Oh, Roger Corman. Corman, Corman. He had a line of comics. He had a line of comics called Cosmic Comics. Uh, the best that that they published was Death Race two thousand. Oh, sorry, oh. Death Race twenty twenty. <laughs> no, I don't remember this at all. What was this all about? Uh, it was just like. Uh, comic book versions of all their shitty movies really so, so like like caged heat remember caged heat that no is that a oh wait was that with john claude van damme no it was, was like with a, a bunch of half naked women oh no i thought this was i thought you were talking about like some type of uh octagon fight well wait well half naked women beating each other up is that what this movie is uh, essentially yeah so. this but was, they did caged th- heat 3000 so they did death race 2020 it was 20 years after uh, the the movie was, was okay. supposed to end so these are com- these are comics oh. based on this movie yeah yeah okay. essentially they, they did a series of them some were mini series some were ongoing but i don't i it, never it, read that stuff oh they tanked bad oh. <laughs> how long did this company stay around the uh, less than 2 years oh all right then maybe Let's that's my knowledge D- Death Race 2020, which was yeah. their best-selling book, lasted, yes. what, eight issues? No. Was there real artists Nine. on this stuff, like names, or not really? Because well, uh, Corman's um, notorious for being cheap. I can't imagine him spending big money on Kevin, Kevin O'Neill, the guy that Oh, yeah, did, yeah Kevin uh, O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kevin O'Neill did uh, Death Race 2020. Um, oh, wow. I don't, I don't remember who did any of the other ones. They were really... Poor quality? Well, you not were, necessarily... They were they were just okay. You were reading you know? them though. Do you remember Techno Comics? Yes, yes, I do remember Techno Comics. Yeah, Techno Comics lasted longer. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I remember uh, William Shatner had his own line of comics. Tech War. Oh, yeah, and Tech all that War. Stuff. Yeah. I don't know who that yeah. was for, but I remember that. Marvel. Oh, oh, that was the Malibu stuff, right? Uh, was it Malibu? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I, I remember Marvel Tech having War it, and all that other crap that was out there. Even, yeah. So even in the 2000s, there was still a lot of junk. Oh, God. What, what I saw, though, right around 2000, 2002, was, like, the, the writing of comics became... It was like a golden age of, of well-written, well-put-together comic books. With Grant Morrison and that guy? Um, in, in some cases, but specifically, yeah. I can think of Keith Giffen yes. had a run... Yeah. Keith Giffen had a run at DC that was like it, it, it's like his brain exploded. Keith is, Keith is always great. Honestly, Keith's always great. He's never let you down. I mean, he's talking since the 80s with Teen Titans and the Legion of Superheroes and you name it. And then he does Marvel. Then he does the Justice League. Then I mean, I, yeah, I, I've never read a Keith Giffen book that wasn't enjoyable. Every Every time he's on something, I've always found something good about it. I have one. Oh, uh-oh. I spoke too soon. Lobo? <laughs> Is it Lobo? No. No, it's The Heckler. I don't remember The Heckler. Is that for DC? Yeah, it was. Was it like Ambush Bug? Was it like a joke book? Uh, It was more like The Creeper. Oh, okay. What was so wrong with it? I, I think. Oh, it was just bad. Okay. It was just bad all around. I think it lasted maybe four issues and it was supposed to be a monthly ongoing so they can't good they huh? canceled it. yeah and this is when you know books had to sell like eighty thousand copies oh yeah more, yeah so back in the day god yeah remember that craziness remember i think of that now when i go get a book and it sells like thirty thousand. that's a big book nowadays but right. remember even the crappy books were selling like eighty to ninety thousand back in the 90s and stuff i mean it was just so, crazy so I know for a fact yeah. that when Marvel canceled the Transformer series, yeah, uh, they canceled it due to low sales. Right when it was at it, when it was at its creative best. Right, but they canceled it because it had hit that threshold of eighty thousand. Is that nuts? So 80,000 80, issues printed, and and that's a sold. failure. And that's a failure. That's when they, that's when they cancel it. And it, you sell a if a book hits eighty thousand issues now oh or eighty thousand copies, it, it's a huge hit. Was that when Bob was doing it? Bob Badinsky? was he still doing it? Then? Uh, no, it was, he was he was long gone. That was um, oh. Simon Furman and oh, I don't even know. Uh, oh wait, Furman? Yeah, oh, yeah, I know the oh, name. God. I know the name. Yeah, it was all the English guys were doing it. Did you ever? I was thinking about that day when it came to licensed books. Licensed books, when I was growing up, was not a cool thing because you would get it and they always kind of sucked, you know, because they were really sure. restricted. But I mean, when we grew up, there was the Shogun Warriors. There was well, GI Joe was the exception. Oh, that was good, but there was GI Joe, Shogun Warriors, Micronauts, all those DC superpowers, and even Secret Wars is kind of a toy comic, but. They were just My, Star Wars. Ran a, quite a while. Micronauts was you know. actually different because Bill Mantlo kind of yeah. created his own little universe with that book. But yeah. I remember Shogun Warriors. I remember Team America. I just remember anything based Ooh. on a toy. You just didn't touch <laughs> because that was going to be a shitty book. Even the Godzilla well, series was kind of crap, and that was yeah. Not it it a seemed good like toy. they they would they would put 
uh, new artists or, or yeah, like tryout. Well, they could, they could, yeah, yeah, they could pay people less to do things. And yeah, if yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah, If yeah. it sold, it sold. If it didn't, it didn't. And and now it's a little bit different. It, you want to put your top tier people on it. Because I mean, want to sell. No, but I was thinking the reason why I was thinking is because aliens versus or aliens and predators because of the oh, D- yeah. Disney deal they went back to Marvel, and I remember the Dark Horse days in the early '90s and early 2000s when they had those licenses, and those yeah. were actually the exception to the rule because they were really good stories. They were a lot written right. by uh, I'm going to say Mark Ver- Veridian, I can't Ver- 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 Verheiden or something. Verheiden. Yeah, and then even um, the owner of Dark Horse was writing a couple of the books, uh, Mark Richardson, Mike Richardson. But they yeah, were, they, yeah. they would get, and Walt Simonson would do RoboCop, they would get really good names to do those books. And uh, all the yeah. Dark Horse stuff was good. The Star Wars stuff was good. Uh, they did some Indiana Jones books. But you just mentioned those licensed properties when you were talking about the Corman books. They weren't that good. So I don't know what it is. I don't know. If it's the company, well, I think or? it's 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 your you're looking for an already already built audience. Yeah, and and the way it works now, I mean, wasn't there a D and D comic? Didn't Mar- didn't DC do a Dungeons and Dragons comic? Uh, quite yeah, actually, a lot of people did, but uh, yeah. DCs were the longest longest lived and and uh, best selling, I think. Atari Force. With uh, yeah. Garcia Lopez doing the art, I think Paul Kupperberg wrote him. But uh, I don't know. I did, I mean, so what's your opinion on licensed books? Do you do, do you bother reading them because you know it's never going to affect the real continuity? It's kind uh, of a waste of money. Days, these days, I don't. I don't read them because um, every time I try them out, they're disappointing. Yeah. Um, and you're right. They they have no effect on continuity. It, I, I would like to read something like I would read DC's uh, Star Trek comics when they were oh, Rock, I read those. Kirk and Company. Yeah. Oh, the ones I like those. Took place after the movie, the after the voyage. Was it the Final Frontier one? Yeah, I, I'd read anything like that. All, yeah, all when that's they were a, that movie, those movie those were Kupperbergs. Those were Michael J. and Michael J. and Friedman. I think his name Friedman. Yeah, yeah. Friedman did some. He was and a, then Peter David. Peter, Peter David got his hands on it, and then. Uh, <laughs> Peter David wrote so many books. It's not funny. If you ever look at the amount of books that Peter David uh, just churns out back in his height. I mean, he was a guy that started off in the accounting department, if I recall. And then he transitioned over to to writing books. No, I I, don't know. License stuff now, I don't know. I, I, I... But there's a lot of it going to happen. A, there's a lot of it because I've been seeing that more and more names popping up that they're going to do these big name properties. You know? Yeah, I, I have a love hate relationship with them because because a lot of it just ends up being bad. Now, on the other hand, yes, I'll say Transformers again because I'm such a Transformers dork. You are. So, oh yeah, I'm a total nerd. I know. I've been seeing you but, post different Transformers on your Facebook page. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is he having a breakdown or something? What's that all about? No, I'm just, I'm just sick of all the other crap that's on Facebook. Oh, so please. I'll just post pictures of Transformers. I've been posting dog <laughs> pictures like crazy. But but the IDW books have been increasingly better and better and better every year. So Yeah. Uh, and, oh, IDW. I, yeah, that's that, that's true. I forgot about IDW. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just good stuff there. They they know what they're doing with with the uh, with the property, so let them let them have it. Let them have good fun with it. They get good artists on it, so I'm enjoying it. 
But then again, I, I still bitch about the fact that someone did a Cobra Kai book. Yeah, I saw that, but the art wasn't that great. No offense to whoever did it. I just picked it up and said, this is not my cup of tea. Uh, my thing is, what's the point? You're, you're taking a, a, a shelf TV space show? away from, from a decent comic book you know, that no one else is reading. Well, was know, that all, com- all the- did that come out after that new series, or was that in progress before? I don't know. All, all I know is it, it was on the shelf after our, after the series Show, came out. Yeah, but, yeah. but what's the point, really? It's it's got two seasons of ten episodes each, and you want to do well, a comic book series? What based about on it? what about shows that you know aren't going to get sequels or or movies that aren't going to be seen again? Like you're not going to see a Buckaroo Banzai movie. Not this game, but you could do a Buckaroo Banzai comic, and they did do one. I think it was Moonstone put it out years ago. They also did Close oh, yeah. Jack the Night Stalker. But, yeah, I read some of that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you're a fan of it, that's the, probably the closest you're ever going to get to a sequel. So, but again, I mean, uh, it, that's where you're you're looking at a very small segment of your audience. Yeah. So, like a com- a company like Moonstone can do that. Marvel wouldn't do it because you're not going to see the numbers. But no. a smaller company can do it and do it well. Hopefully, well, look at the way we have television now. Years ago, you and I grew up. We had three networks. Now we have. <laughs> thousands of you yeah there's youtube shows and there's all these different outlets you'll never get i I, I don't know is it a benefit or a a deterrent the fact there's so many outlets you don't are you do you think you're still getting quality programs uh yeah i think if you or you get a lot of direct find them there is a lot of direct but on the other hand look at it this way and and uh, because i was reading about this what um it's it's a benefit for the people that are producing these operations, uh-huh. but but there's you there's mean benefit so, in what sales and advertising dollars or something? Well, that and, and your viewership and all that. But yeah. but on the other hand, the the actors have to take pay cuts because there's so many people out there grabbing these jobs. Yeah, the uh, the top of the line actors that need to keep working now have to take pay cuts just to get a gig like this because otherwise they'll lose out to somebody unknown that may be you know the next big hit yeah so it's it's an interesting back and forth as to what's happening with these stores uh, these these uh no it all, it all ties in because i'm gonna you're gonna say where's he going with all this stuff now go back to the world of comic books that we know of and we were gonna have Semedi on tonight because he's got his alternative press but listen there are so many presses now. There's so many ways you could put your book out. You could do digital books. You could yep. do... You don't have to go to stores because there's really not a lot of stores, especially during the pandemic. It shows a lot of people uh, could get digital books, you know? Yeah. So do you think the comic shop, being a guy who owned a comic shop, we already went down that path for the last hour or so. So <laughs> if you were a store owner right now, are you shaking in your yeah. boots? Or are you like... Do I have to adapt? Because we know a guy, BoomTube, he's very successful. He seems to have adapted to it, but he gets a lot of he gets a lot of titles. He gets a lot of uh, Ahoy books. You have to. He yeah, but but you have to. well, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like cable TV. There's n- or whatever streaming. There's not one big network anymore. There's a thousand little things. There's not just Marvel and DC. There's a thousand little shops. Can you possibly? Yeah survive as a comic shop you can't buy all those titles because if they don't sell what are you going to do with them all sit there in the back well that's the thing yeah you you can't buy them all but i i think as as things progress again 
for for the retail market, you're gonna you're gonna see some improvements, and stores will be able to be viable and continue on. It's not. Yeah. I don't think your 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 print on demand or your digital stuff. I don't think is gonna put the stores to to shame in right, any way. Right. Um, the, they'll all complement each other eventually. Mm-hmm. But but I the hardcore buyer is going to go want to get that that thing in their hand regardless of it's a it being a floppy or or a graphic novel collection yeah. or or otherwise what do you think about what do you think about that do you think the major store the major companies like dc and marvel could just go to producing like a big trade every couple months like you want the avengers then wait three months and you'll get like a six issue story in one trade and then you'll just get like five or six of those a year as opposed to weekly or monthly books it's you, but is that a model that makes sense? I mean, look at Ahoy. Yeah, Ahoy does yeah, books every season. They do it in the spring and the fall. They bring yeah. six titles out. I think it's five or six titles. They're a finite yeah. number. They're like a six-issue yeah. show or, or series. Yeah. And that's it. You'll read uh, – we just had them on – what was the book? We do Dragonfly, but there was the different Earth or another Earth. Yeah, the wrong Earth. Wrong Earth. Wrong Earth. So yeah. you, got, you had a beginning and an end, and then you yeah. got a sequel. But that's it. I mean, you're just getting little mini series now. You're not doing the month to month book. Is that like? Uh, could you do that with the big Batman's? Can you do that with Spider Man? Can you do it with the big names? I, I think they could. I, I don't see why it but would it, be it, a business model. Yeah, but could a store? But and especially could a store survive? Well, especially on that, now, well, stores probably couldn't. Yeah, because if you're only going to get product every couple months, I mean, what do you do week to week? You got to carry other stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's a tough. lot. It's, it's a lot. Tough. It's like being a grocery store. You can't just make money selling fruits or vegetables. You got to have cereals right. and meats and bread and I mean these stores are not that big. They can't. No. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them do the gaming. A lot of them do the comics. I don't know what else they could supplement their income with. I mean, toys. Then you get stuck with toys. Now you're a toy store. You know. Yeah, there's your Funko Pop there shop. There are ways to make it work. It's, it's the hobby shop is what it is at this point. I mean, it's it's a mixture of everything. Uh, your straight comic book store. Good luck. See, good luck. You know, are they getting younger audience, or is it really just a generational thing? Is it guys like my age in the fifties and the forties that are based on nostalgia? Uh, the way that Marvel and DC put books out, yeah, they're not trying to to get new readers um Mar- marvel's attempt at the um, at, at the ch- changing of the of the characters around yeah you know i i can see what they're getting at they were trying but yeah that i don't know these big publishers don't seem to understand how to attract a bigger audience yeah and i and i'm not entirely sure what it is there but i know like for instance i know um Kristen Gudznick, she did Hench Girl. Well, she's yeah. right. She's a local person right here from um, Shelton. She's moved on to Brooklyn, I think. But she did Hench Girl, and that was like a six-issue series, maybe eight issues. That did really well. Then she did uh, a book with um, it was called Modern Fantasy, and she did it with uh, you know him. Oh. He was at my show uh, two years in a row. Yeah, was that was that Rafer Roberts? Rafer Roberts, yes. And then yeah. Rafer went on to work with Mike Norton on his book. But I'm saying, yep. again, different type of storytelling, different artwork style, not a big company, but just a little tiny slice. I, I mean, she just did, she didn't do a Hench Girl ongoing. She just did that series and it's over with. And that's it. Move She's on moved on to the next thing. 
So maybe that's what you need to do. You just need to keep producing different stories. I mean, like an anthology type of thing or. Well, again, I, I mean, with, with a lot of the, the comic books uh, like hench girl. Yeah. Once it's in its collected format. Yep. You do the trade. Uh, yeah. It, it can be an easy sell outside of the comic book. And I think that, at, um, that one, I think, attracted a lot of YA, a lot of young audience. I think yeah, that one did there, really well. There are, there are people doing uh, graphic novels that go to the book market yeah. long before they get to the comic book market, and they're, they're selling comics, in the, and they are comic books. They're selling them in the millions. Are you talking about and, those like trade, like those little square, like digest-sized books that I see DC putting out? I can't yeah, think of some of the names, though. but I do see them at the comic shop. There's like a little section now that they're not manga or manga or manga. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the, <laughs> no, they're, they're kind of a combination graphic novel and yeah. and prose, like with a lot of more words than pictures. I mean, I don't know oh, what, don't know. what, what I, category I, does that go into? Is it? I can't think of the woman's name, but she does a bunch of books. Uh, they have like one word yeah. titles. And they're really um, popular because I was at Oh Yeah Comics and they had a whole section and they were telling me, oh, there, you should really get her for your show because she's a huge seller. And I, I guarantee it's the same woman that I'm thinking of because... Yeah, it, it's, it's got it, a one-word title. She's got like about five or six books out. I'm trying to remember her name. And I'm but, I'm saying, but that's a market that I wouldn't normally think of at a comic book store. I think of that as a Barnes & Noble type of thing. Yeah, but they don't go to Barnes & Noble. People don't go to... the bookstores like they used to you know uh, well there's that too but but again i mean so i like where are you finding new material because i mean i would when you go to a comic store do you get recommendations do you ask them what's selling what's popular or do you just go not in there me. not you no not me i i work on a different level because because i used to be a retailer so what are you doing I, checking out previews or stuff Reading uh, generally, I'll read the, I'll read the previews or any of the, anything that has pre solicitations. I'll read those cover to cover. Yeah, um, I do I too. I, do. They're like the Sears catalog. I love reading those. Well, it's 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 how I find the gems. It's why I always, yeah. I'm always shopping through the the uh, independent publishers stuff. The, all the independents. I, I yeah. find so much good stuff in there. You know, and it's and it's just. But you do. Of, I mean, I've known you for a while. You do have an eclectic taste. I mean, some of the books you read are not mainstream. They're, 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 we'll just put it that way. That's that's a good way of putting it. But that's yeah. fine though. It's uh, that's why they have more than one book at a library. Not everybody likes the same stuff. That's why there's more than one channel. But well, I learned a long time ago that I, I like the oddball stuff. I was such a big supporter of Caliber Comics when that was out. Yeah, I loved everything they did. So, you know, that's that's what got me into this stuff. Yes, yeah. it's, it's just I think Caliber was my big gateway into it, all the independents, but. Yeah, I, I dig around quite a bit, and um, if occasionally someone makes a recommendation to me, I will look at it. You know, I'll definitely look at it. But if it's something that doesn't appeal to me, then it just doesn't appeal to me. It's you know, yeah, my tastes are different than anybody else. Right. I was I never understood the appeal of, of characters like Lady Death. So, mm. <laughs> you know. I never got into Neil Gaiman stuff, and people look at me like I'm shocked. They go, what do you mean you don't read Sandman? I go, I try to, but I just couldn't get my mind wrapped around it. And I was like, it was a little esoteric for me. And I'm just not a prude, but I just didn't care for it. I mean, yeah, I'm trying again. I mean, there's Audible copies of it. And I thought about it as I yep. walk around here with the dog. I go, you know, maybe I'll try an Audible Sandman and listen to it. And maybe that way I'll, I'll get into it more than trying to read the books. Because sometimes the imagery... 
was so dreamlike quality. It wasn't like it wasn't anchored to like a physical story that I'm used to, like a comic book type of superhero thing. And I'm right, like, yeah, what, am I different. looking at? Yeah, I mean, if I go look at an abstract painting, it's not looking at a photorealistic painting. So they're two different styles. So sometimes that would take me out of the story because I start looking at the artwork. I start looking at the the brush strokes and the paintings and stuff. And now I'm not even reading the story. I'm looking at the pictures, <laughs> and that's not the guy's intent. So I right. I don't know how Neil Gaiman's stories really go because I mean, there's so the ones I've looked at, the artwork is so out there that I, it's hard to 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 marry the story with the art because it's like the story could be one thing and the artwork could be a totally separate book and you'd make up your own. It's almost like, here's the pictures, make up your own story with it in your head, you know? Yeah. And Grant Morrison too. Grant Morrison, his stuff is so trippy and heady sometimes that the, the story in my head is different than the pictures that are on the page and the drawings. It's like, wow, I I don't know what's going on here, but I, I have my own story that I, that I could see that the artist yeah, didn't really come. But that I, gets I old, that gets old though. Morrison. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it gets old with Grant's stuff because I'd read it because yeah. it was new and I hadn't read anything like that before. But after a while, you start to almost see a routine pattern and you're like, okay, he's going to do this trope and he's going to do that thing and this and that. And then you just go, well, I've read one, I've read them all. And I just move on yeah. from that. So, yeah. well, not that everybody's a one-hit wonder. I had a discussion with a friend of mine who was a dark horse uh, a Dark Horse uh, editor and we were talking about how much we loved Howard Chaikin and he pointed that out to me he said you do know Howard has certain tropes that he does again and again and I'm like wait a minute and then once I started thinking about it, like oh yeah he does do that he does oh yeah and he goes well you know I mean he's a great artist he's a great writer but sometimes he, he has a little set story path that he does I'm like oh thanks for pointing that out and ruining Howard Chaikin for me buddy <laughs> I don't think anybody could ruin Howard for me now. No, no, no. Well, that's the thing, too. It's very hard, too, because you've been in the interviewing people and doing shows and stuff. When you meet these guys, is it hard to separate the work from the person anymore? Or it's it's done. I can't separate well, I, Paul Kupperberg stories from Paul Kupperberg, the man, or Jerry Ordway or any of these guys or Neil Adams, because I know them now. And, no, uh, I, I, think, I think for me it's, it's more of... I can appreciate them even more now, getting really? to know them better. Yeah. Um, do you miss the fanboy that you were? I do. The fanboy yeah. before you got tainted by the industry and the behind the scenes, like how they make the sausage. Can you still eat a hot dog? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I I'm still a dork at heart. You you missed out when I was at your show in line to see Joe Straczynski, and I was nerding out like. Oh well, you know the funny thing about Joe is the night before the show, it was when, was Wednesday or th- Thursday, I think it was. It was me and a couple of the guys that helped me with the show, Scott and Chris, and we're backstage and getting the badges ready and getting the programs ready. And Joe comes walking in. I know him instantly from all the interviews I've seen, and I just I've never met him before. And he doesn't know me, and he comes in and goes, oh, hello, my name's Joseph Straczynski, and I'm one of the guests. I go, oh, my God, Joe Straczynski, JMS. And he's like, yeah. I go, I love Babylon 5. You were the greatest guy ever. I love the, 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 the chameleon. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm the guy that runs the show. And he's like, you are? And I so fanboyed out, and he wanted to know where, where he'd be sitting and you know where his badge was. And I'm like, here you go, Mr. JMS. I love what you do with Spider-Man. But it's so weird. And then I gotta like put the show face on that, put the pro face. Like, don't do that, don't do that. You're freaking the guy out. And he's like, "Can I speak to the manager?" I am the manager. It's like, oh no, 
He's nuts. <laughs> but no, I, some of the people I still get in awe about, you know, even oh, yeah. after, like, Steranko to me always scared me because I was so, like, I don't know, maybe the physical prowess and the stories, you hear, like, he might beat you up or hit you with a tiger or something <laughs> across the face. And then you meet the guy, and he's this real nice guy, and he talks to you, yeah. and, you know, and, like, oh my God, that's Steranko, the, the name. It sounds like, <laughs> I said, it sounds like a, a 70s cologne. Like, you just woke up. You just drove the uh, Le Mans. You won Le Mans. You just dated Raquel Welsh. You killed a buffalo and you're eating a burger for breakfast. What do you do? You slap on some Steranko. And it's like, (laughs) like brute aftershave. It's like, what's that smell? It's Steranko. It just seems like this, like, muy macho, iconic... Thing. And then this guy shows up, and you're like, "Oh, hey, J- hey, Jim, oh, how are you? Yeah, oh, nice to meet you." But it's the persona, you know. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Starlin, I always think it's a guy I'm going to meet out in the woods, sitting on a mushroom somewhere, you know, feeding a falcon uh, the, the brains of a, a deceased uh, religious figure or something. And I go, "Oh, that's Jim Starlin." Then I go to his house, and it's just a normal guy in the woods. And- <laughs> Here's his wife. I'm like, where's the freaking, you know, giant mushroom things that are going to eat my face? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll stand over. Like, I go to Ordway's house. I always picture, like, hello, welcome to my house. This is my fortress of solitude. I am Superman. You're like, that's just Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Mitch, can I borrow your drive back? I got some water in my garage. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. See that game last night? Nah, it's too busy. Oh, is that a squirrel? Yeah, yeah, a squirrel ate all the flowers. Oh, okay. Jerry Ordway. Look at you. Sir John, the legendary Sir John. The 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 voice that's launched a thousand podcasts. Then you hang out with you like you you want to go get some chips and beer? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You, you just ruined the illusion. Have you ever met somebody that lived up to the, the, your your impressions of what they would be like? Come on, Mr. Cynical. Come on. I'm not I'm not sure. I got to think about that cuz if you met Most Mike people, McNola right now, as I'm holding up these two Hellboy comics, I, I have never met him. I uh, have most of the time, twice. Most of the time, it's the lines are ridiculous, and no. I don't deal with lines. No, so. I met him when this just came out, and yeah. I was I just had gotten speaking of Howard Chaykin, I had just got screamed at by Howard Chaykin in a, a story I've told many times about him calling me a whore, and I'm d- <laughs> just I'm just so depressed. I'm walking to the elevator. And there's Mignola with his brand new baby, and I held the uh, door for him. And he's like, oh, thanks a lot. Who, uh, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I just got yelled at by Howard Shake. And he's like, oh, I'm Mike Mignola. I, I do, I'm doing a book called Hellboy. I'm like, oh, yeah, the guy that did uh, the Batman thing with the Jack the Ripper. Yeah, yeah. It was really great. <laughs> and I'm like almost in tears. And he's like, well, take it easy. And then years later, I had to interview him. And the person at Dark Horse kind of screwed up the interview, and he didn't know I was coming. So I go over to his booth, and this is at New York Comic Con. And Matt wow. Herring, who's from this, used to be the Secret Identity Podcast, is with me. And I go, hi, Mr. McNoll. He goes, yeah. I said, I'm supposed to interview. He goes, well, nobody told me. And that, you know, that's going to be start of a bad interview. And I said, well, yep. they sent me over here to, well, I'm doing autographs now. I'm like, well, they told me to, to who told you to, to? Uh, well, the guy, Ob Driver, he told me to come up. Okay, whatever. Just come around here and you can talk to me. Okay. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. So I go around. I sit down next to him. I go, so uh, Hellboy, I hear, is dying. So Yeah, that's what the press release said. I'm like, 
okay. And then it was all one word answers. And he was, he was so annoyed with me. I go, well, I gotta go now. And I just turned off the mic and left. I did not want to talk to him anymore. So I can't, I can't think that's of any fun. Like, real... That's fun when you get to do that. A terrible, terrible situation. The only one I can remember is like when I was talking to John Byrne up in East Hartford. Oh, you talked to Byrne? Yeah, it was one of the last local shows he would do or did. Yeah, at that point, and it was it was right after Next Man had started. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah. Dark Horse Next Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he threw a copy of it at me because I I told him I hadn't read it. Oh, great! He That's got, always he got mad. Through it, like, hey, read this. Like, yeah, okay. Really want to? <laughs> oh, it's kind of like my experience with him last year. He was not in the mood. You know? Yeah, he's, he's a character, I guess, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I look at it this way: it's like, yeah, if if you say things online that are really stupid, fine. You know, I, I can look past that. Yeah, and still read your read your comic books, but I don't know. No, you know what? I was going to ask Peter that tonight. How, how do you feel about that? Seriously, because I think about that more and more every day when I read stuff on Twitter or Facebook about a certain creator I like or something they said, and now suddenly they're not the flavor of the month or more of the garbage that has to be taken out. And you just go, well, does that dismiss all the enjoyment I took from their books years ago now that I find out they're, 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 they're the dastardly Dylan tying the, the, the heroine to the train tracks when you thought they were the hero? I mean, I what, what, I mean, what do, you, do you throw their books out? Do you go home and go, oh, I'll never read this again. This guy turned out to be a total douche. You know? I, I don't know. I mean, most most of the people that get themselves in trouble online yeah. are not people I'm following anyway, yeah. which I find, I found that kind of amusing on my end. Like, Warren Ellis recently got into a whole big yeah. box of crap about whatever the hell he was dealing with. Right. And, and, and I sit there and I go, you know, I'm not I've reading only, his stuff anyway. I, right? I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan of his work. So I've it, read didn't, it f- didn't impact you. Yeah. So it's like, wow. It, it's almost as if I'm completely avoiding all these people that keep getting into trouble for one thing or another. Right. Um, for the most part, I I don't I don't get involved with them like that. Yeah. I, I I like the people that I like. Yeah. And that's it. I'm I'm really disappointed in the whole thing at Dark Horse with Scott Lee, but and not only that, he's not the only one that was involved with the book, so it's it's a big difference there too. It's like, uh, is is Hellboy less of a character because he was involved with it? No. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do you, do you go back and you suddenly go, well, I guess that I'll throw my books out. You know? No, I'm not going to do that because they're they're things that I still enjoy. Right. I mean, if I was going to do that, I wouldn't have anything in this room. You know, someone everywhere is going to have some kind of bit in their history that you're not going to like. Yeah. Art from the artist. You know what I'm saying? That's an actor playing a role in a movie, so that's the movie I'm watching. I don't think that's a realistic portrayal of the guy. I think it's just a character on screen. You might laugh at uh, Robin Williams' movies. I used to love Robin Williams, and he kills himself. Does that mean that I can't enjoy... The movies, because I'm a Catholic and suicide's one of our no-nos and stuff. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, I, I don't know how black and white you got to make everything in this world anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't know because there's too much either. gray out there. If you know, you know. So I mean, it's it's, I it's a different you. thing if I don't like a person personally. So right. 
Well, you've worked call. you've worked in professional situations where you've had to deal with people. Hey, look, dude, I've worked for companies and people I can't stand and I couldn't stand. Yeah. But at the time, you're young, you got to pay a mortgage, you have a family oh, yeah. maybe, and it, the things were much different in the 90s and the early 2000s than they are now. A lot of the stuff that would never go today was accepted back then, and the things people sure. would say... You just kind of looked. I mean, you, I, I would stand up for my morals and values, and people would accuse me that, you know, what kind of character do you have? And, you know, and I've lost jobs because I've spoken up for stuff. But a lot of people look the other way. They just said, nope, I guess the boss is paying my check, so I'll have to go along with them. Yeah, there's a limit to everything. I, was, I think so. Yeah. Well, what do I know? I read a lot of comic books. You know what I mean? Me too. And that's why we're here. If you could, uh, yeah, re- if you could go back to this premise, and we'll wrap this up. If you could go back yeah. and start a store tomorrow, if I called you up and said, "John, I'm going to give you the keys to a comic book store," would you oh. take them? Uh, my hesitation is telling, but I would say no. Really? Yeah. Knowing what you know about all the, the other things and this, the failure, so you could correct it, so it doesn't happen again, you still wouldn't do it. Uh, yeah, I I've pretty much closed the door on me doing any kind of retail ever again. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a lot of work for no return. Really. For me, anyway. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the comics are one thing, the games are another, you know, the enjoyment is there, yeah. but it's a seven-day-a-week job. It is. I give Dan all the credit and the folks I know at Cave Comics and all the other shops, too, because it is, people think you just sit there and read comics. I love that. They're like, what are you doing? It's just, yeah. it must be a dream job. You get to sit here and read comic books all day? Wow. Look at yeah. you. I, I got to work for a living. I wish I could sit here and read funny books. In the meantime, you're counting the pennies to pay off the, uh, the the water bill or the power bill. No, you're not kidding. I mean, I don't think people realize it. I mean, God knows how they survived. God bless them on these last four or five months with all the COVID stuff when they had to be oh, closed. Absolutely. And I was buying I, stuff I, from Dan, mail order, just, you know, to help him out. Yep. Plus, I wanted to read books. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, if I could throw some money his way to help his, out, his, show, his store out, I'll do it, you know? Yep. Definitely. I, I shot down there, picked up. I, I still get my supplies from him and everything. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what, so what, again. What, so you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't take the job. You you wouldn't. No, really. No. It is in, in the especially in the environment we're in now, and the and the way comics are ordered. I I couldn't do it. You mean I, the I, diamond I, distributor I, thing, or? Well, just just having. A single distributor, yeah. which you know, it, things things are changing now. Again, it's it's going to be better for these stores, I think, to have multiple distributors. But right. it, it's it's not an easy market. And would you would you open a liquor store? Bef- would you open a liquor store before you'd open a comic book store? Uh, I, I know a lot about that too, and I probably wouldn't. Really, because I've been thinking what recession-proof industry there is, and I thought recently that. Alcohol sales, I heard, were through the roof, and they're still big right now because a lot of people are yeah. just trying to make it through they, one way or the other. And I was like, "Wow, maybe, maybe maybe that's a rece- maybe that's a not recession proof, but a uh, what do you want to call it? There, a quarantine proof industry, or maybe it's it, a- it definitely is. 
but your margins but, are so small, you have to stay open seven days a week. <laughs> well, now you do. I mean, before in Connecticut, we, we were not open on Sunday. There was the blue laws. Right. Well, we now, well again, the laws on, on the on the liquor sales in Connecticut are so different. You Trust me, it's not something you want to get into unless you have a lot of money. <laughs> oh, so really, there's not a lot of profit. No, it's your profit on beer is like five percent. Wow, five five to ten percent. You you sell in volume. That's all you want. Volume, volume, volume. And what? Okay, it's, so what, I guess that's it. I guess you've answered. You wouldn't take any retail. I can't think of another. Uh, would a gaming store? Would you open a gaming store? You're a big gamer. Uh, definitely not. Okay, it's even worse than comics then. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you were to, if you were to, again, I mean, my stores were gaming and and comics because you couldn't just survive on one or the other. Right. You you had to have them both. I mean, a a good, fully inversed hobby store. Like D'Amato's and like that, like D'Amato's. Have you ever been to D'Amato's hobbies? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's, it's great that they can do that stuff. But again, I mean, retail... What's that one that's uh, up there? Uh, the Citadel? No, the the Portal. Up in uh, the, por- the Portal yeah. and the Time Machine up in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like just all gaming, isn't it? The Portal's all gaming. Time Machine is all hobbies and really cool hobbies. So if you're right. looking for something out out of the ordinary, like or remote control airplanes control, and that type of yeah. stuff. That big, oh yeah, big boy toy stuff. Really pricey shit. Some, some. Yeah. But, I mean, there's. Like for girls, there's a whole floor full of doll houses. Oh, those American of, girl things or American dolls or something it's called. Uh, whatever. There's a lot of a lot of toys yeah. for kids. And there's uh, model train sets and. You know, yeah, it's, I it's remember my son when he was little. We, I'm looking right over. There's a whole train chest thing of uh, Thomas the Train. Those little wooden things. Yep, I remember yep. thinking those were like rich boy toys because they were pricey to get these little handmade wooden tracks and little characters and stuff. I was like, wow, this is not matchboxes. I used to get those for like two for a buck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the good old days. <laughs> Do you think comic books are going to be around? Comic book stores are going to be around in five, ten years? You always hear that's never going to... They're going away! They've been saying that for 30 years, but they're still here. I, I think they're going to stay. They may be less. They may, there may be more, but the, the market's going to shift again. Yeah. Um. I, I just I would love to see the sales figures spark up yeah. higher than they are now. But but again, is when it, you're is just, it price when you're dealing that's... with one distributor, your sales are going to be minimized. Well, see, so I wanted to more... talk, I wanted to talk to Peter tonight because I want to ask him yeah. that question. His books are notoriously cheap. I know they're black and white mostly, yeah. Yeah. but I think they're a dollar fifty. They're under two no, they're, bucks. They're color. They're color. Yeah, but they're not four or five dollars. Right. Like two, I don't know. Maybe it's the newsprint he's printing out. I like to talk to him. Like, how is he managing to? He does low press runs, so I mean, he's not doing volume. How does he manage to keep the price so affordable and uh, still be successful? He, he was telling us on the episode that he did last year that a lot of the the markup on the comics for the big two, yeah, is is just that. It's it's markup for all their other payments. He's like. They can still be sold for a dollar. They could. They could. Really? Yeah. I thought it was something to do with the printing and all that. That's why the prices were up. Well, the paper is more expensive at Marvel and DC. Yeah, but uh, he's making it work. Plus, he's got other avenues for selling too. He's not selling just in comic book stores. So. Yeah. 
you know, he's he's smart. He's branching out. Oh well, definitely when uh, we finally get to talk to him again, I want to. I want to see. This is number four, he's canceled. I want to well, see actually, if uh, three, three for him, one for me. So. Might as well just write an article about it. I know. No, but he's uh, got a lot. My friend uh, Keith Gleason does a book with him, uh, Mighty Mascots. Yeah, that's, that's fun stuff. Yeah, with uh, all the serial mascots band together, like the Captain Crunches and all that stuff. So, trust me, one of the one of the coolest books I read was from from Alterna, uh, the Mighty Log. Really? Yeah. It's just about like a log, like on like on Ren and Stimpy, like log, it's, log, the magical thing. It's a sentient. Creature. He, 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 uh, he's a protector of the forest. He's this giant talking log. And he. Why did you decide to pick that up? It was it was in their anthology book. Oh, okay. So it was like serialized for a few issues, and then they did a they did a one shot. And it's just it's so kooky and so early Marvel like. Really? It it reads really well. I liked it a lot. It's about a log, a piece of a wood. Cent- Yep. Ascension. It's like this. It's like Man Thing, if he was a log, because exactly. even even Man Thing didn't think. He just was a force of nature. There was no thought balloons on the Man Thing. Nope. This guy. This guy talks. He's got a. Uh, he's he got talks. Some little pixie that flies around. Oh, he's got a bird. Bird named Bird. That's what it was. Okay. That's right. And you it's, recommend it's this? Funny. Book? Okay. It's kooky. It's weird. It's all together <laughs> kooky. For, it's like the again, Adams family. It's a. It's a dollar. It's a dollar. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you can't go... I mean, entertainment-wise, for a buck? Yeah. That's pretty good. It is, and there's multiple artists on it, so you get more than just, like, one guy doing it. Oh, that's, really cool. that's interesting. Yeah. No, I love Log. Log is great. <laughs> Look at you laughing about it. Is that... Now, did they do so a trade? Have they done a trade of Log? Have they, uh-huh. have they done a trade? Is there, a, like, a... What's the it's word? A I'm thinking? Is there? Oh, okay. I was gonna say, is there a cord? Can you buy multiple <laughs> multiple copies? Is it coming a big thing? I, I guess it's an ongoing, but it's like a infrequent ongoing. That's oh, what's I happening. See. All right, long. Ask for it by I name. Got the t-shirt. There's a t-shirt. There was a t-shirt. Are you getting paid by the log creators to promote this book? That's how much I liked it. All right. Is there an action figure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'll go out in the woods and get you a bunch of them right now. Here you, you go, kids. Here's Log. What? There's there's an animatic. They did a Oh, shut up. Really? There is. <laughs> a log. Okay. That's like they made once the Rocky uh, movie. They had a bunch of Rocky action figures, and one of them was called The Meat, and they actually made the side oh, of meat. That Rocky beat up, and it, my kid had it, and I was like, "Okay, we just bought a side of meat as an action figure, whatever meat, meat." All right, John. So we're gonna wrap it up. Where can the listeners of the Power Cosmic find Sir John on a week to week if they want to hear more of your sultry tone voice? Pina well, Comics. You can hear Pina Comics twice a week. Once at WESU 88.1 FM on your radio dial. That's or, the great radio station from Wesleyan University. Or dot org. Every Sunday night. Or online. Or online, yeah. Yes, WESU dot org. FM dot org. Yes. Or. And then, and then the podcast, which you may or may not hear me on, is on 
Oh God, I don't know what everything Spotify. Uh, is it on Bazooka? Bub- is it on Bazooka Bubblegum wrappers? Yeah, you can find it on uh, the Pine of Comics website and, yeah. and go from there. But you guys Comics. talk about everything. You talk about movie reviews, horror movies. Yeah, we're pop culture comics. And, yeah, you know. I love when you guys would do the interviews. That's how I, I've come to know and love my friend, artist Tom Ryan. When you, you interviewed him years ago, and he said he just does these shows because winter's coming, and he needed to make money to get beer to survive during the cold times. And I was like, "Wow, that that cracked me up." So, whenever I see Tom Ryan, I think of how he needed to get money for beer. Tommy Ryan. <laughs> He's oh, good people. I can't wait to this COVID end so we can all get back together again at our convention. Yeah. Yeah, tell me about it's it. It's put a crimp on our social life, and we we comic book fans didn't have much to begin with. So, this is like the longest prom night that we were all stuck home anyway. <laughs> Too much of this. Too Ooh. much. All right, so that wraps it up for a special episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast because Jerry Ordway's probably home going, What the hell? Mitch didn't call me this week? But I said, No, I'm doing Sir John on the show. That sounds dirty, but it's not. <laughs> So, Thanks. That's it. So that's been a Power Cosmic episode. It'll be on soon. Oh, my God, an hour and 25 minutes of your sultry tone voice? Yikes. Mm. I'll have to edit this down to about 10 minutes because there's nobody listening to this son of a yeah, really. quality episode. <laughs> All right, and that's that. This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. The folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.